got back and I started training. I'm training really hard. I broke the record in the start of the year. And when I did it, I went, uh-oh. Too soon, maybe. <laughs> I just woke up Dorian. Hello, hello, and welcome back, or welcome to the Waterski Podcast. This is Matteo Luzzeri, your host, and the goal of this podcast is to promote waterskiing. Uh, we've been doing it for 75 episodes, with this one included, and we don't plan to stop. That's the idea. And I say we because a lot of the episodes, almost all of them, are with someone else. And uh, I, case, I can't say thank you enough to the people that decide to share uh, a few hours with me chatting up about themselves and the sport. Um, rest assured, this is not taken for granted. And certainly in that category fits this episode, which is part two of my interview with Joe Poland. In this second part, we go a little bit deeper into recent years, um, starting with a humongous success that uh, Joel had two years ago at the Under-21 World Championships, where he almost broke the world overall record open and uh, the ascendance that he had in water skiing since then. So we obviously spent a good amount of time talking about uh, the lead up to this year's world championships where he won and broke one overall and broke the uh, world overall record at the worlds um, and then we speak about a few other things related to skiing such as you know his social media influence what he thinks uh, kids nowadays should do a little bit of a, advice for parents um, and a bit of chatter about the sport in general so I hope you enjoy it. I'm going to read a couple of adverts now. Please don't skip. These people are helping this podcast that I hope you love uh, stay alive. So check them out. Look at the episode notes so that you can uh, reach out to these uh, sponsors and check them out. So this episode of the Waterski Podcast is brought to you by Real Frequency College Consulting. If you're a collegiate-bound student or a parent of one, this is an exciting and stressful time. It's common to become overwhelmed with the admission process, college research, deadlines, essays, and picking the perfect college ski club culture. If there is something you want to do, which we highly encourage it because let's face it, they're all, they're all pretty awesome, all the schools that have water skiing. Are you and your student making the best decisions based on your strengths to increase success and mitigate risk? Real Frequency College Consulting is with you every step of the way. Real Frequency offers strength and purpose-driven narrative for the edge you'll need to get through your hardest life pass yet. Comprehensive college reports on over 6,400 institutions and extensive info for NCWSA-affiliated schools. And let me say, those international students that uh, listen to this, they certainly can appreciate a bit of guidance on how school in the U.S. works to begin with and what is required to get, a, uh, to get accepted there. Um, you also get a financial, financial planning from a college economic specialist, access to your, own, to your very own admission essay specialist, and a bunch of other services. 
This process can feel like running your hardest pass, but it does not have to. Let real frequency take on the stress of admissions so you can enjoy the course and learn so much about yourself in the process. So go to realfrequency.com, that's R-E-A-L frequency.com, or text R-F-T-W-S-P to 509-759-2317 to schedule your free consultation. Real Frequency. The stress isn't, isn't worth it, but a college consultant is. Uh, you can also mention TWSP or Matteo is the man and receive 6% off, like the six buoys, for your 9th or 12 months benefit. So again, realfrequency.com or text RFTWSP at 509-759-2317. This episode of the Waterski Podcast is also brought to you by the Flowpoint Method. Flowpoint Method is an online water ski training program developed by Jenny LeBaugh and Marcus Brown. Marcus being one of the uh, multiple times guests on the Water Ski Podcast. And Jenny and Marcus leverage on years of experience and competency to give you a truly holistic approach to water skiing, covering technique, fitness, nutrition, and mindset. Um, and I should mention that one of the many perks of the members of the Flowpoint Method is also a bi-weekly members-only Zoom meeting with Jenny and Marcus, where they address uh, a few specific topics about the period that is being covered. Um, and obviously, it's a good opportunity to ask questions to your coaches. For the Northern Hemisphere members, the first week of, of off-season started last week. So this means hitting the gym and working hard to prepare for a great 2022 season. Speaking of gym, what I truly love about the program is the extensive library of instructional videos showing proper technique and execution, which, I mean, I feel so much less competent at the gym than I feel on the water. So being guided through every exercise and being able to watch videos of um, how to perform them properly, it's obviously a, a good help. Um, from amateur skier to seasoned pro, the Flowpoint Method provides structure and guidance for anyone who is truly committed to take their skiing to the next level. So you can become a member of the Flowpoint Method by going to thewaterskipodcast.com slash method, one word. Um, and through that link, you can also get access to a free trial. Uh, or there's also a link in the show notes for you to to access. So again, the waterskipodcast.com slash flowpoint method one word. All right, so here we are. Let's uh, jump back into this interview with Joel. Uh, this was an awesome second part. Now, not really to spoiler anything, but there might be a third part later down the year or maybe beginning of next year. Who knows? But uh, for now, enjoy the second part with Joel. All right, Joel, we're back from a little break. Um, I guess the first question I have is, when did, because obviously Matt, Matt Rini is a huge part of, you know, your current success and, and your skiing. When did it start become more than just where you were going for winters for some winter training? When did it become more consistent coaching? It, um, well, it was winter training, but I don't think it was ever just to go ski somewhere in winter. It was, um, that first year I skied with him, 
I went and skied of him, not because it was warm or anything like that. I went and skied of him because my first trip, I gained like a pass, a few mm-hmm. meters, and like four flips. Like okay. when I, I when I went there, I could do one flip, and when I left, I could do four. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I went. That's why I was going there so much. I mean, straight away off the bat, it was let's go there as much as I possibly can. I think I missed mm-hmm. fifty days of school one year. Um, <laughs> I missed a lot of school, which uh, my school right. was my school was actually pretty good about it. Like, they were they were pretty calm. Bearing in mind my school, they didn't like me too much. I don't think I was a bit of a troublemaker. Okay. I didn't All like right. rules and authority, so um, I think they were kind of happy with me not being there, disrupting everyone. So they were like, "Okay, you want to go? Just do the homework. That's fine." And pretty much yeah. did all the homework the day I had to go back to school right um, classic which you know not the best but it worked out in the end <laughs> very yeah. british also to be a sort of like a anti-establishment high school student no yeah it's a bit of a british thing isn't it i know freddie's kind of like that too <laughs> yeah yeah I but he's, general, he's an yeah. academic <laughs> well yeah of some sort of some sort he went to two universities <laughs> yeah i guess that's right um so when so basically it was a gradual thing like so slowly but surely you realized that you were every time you went to mats you were coming back with you know more tricks yeah more buoys better positions better yeah, techniques just got better and better and better i'd basically i'd go to mats he would teach me 10 new tricks i'd go back with john learn those 10 tricks until i could do them properly and then go back out and he'd teach me another bunch of tricks and that was a really good system i had going really mm-hmm mm-hmm okay and so when did you sort of because you're now majority of the year you're you're stateside yeah when did that start i think this is the first time this year is the first year i've been there like i I could really call it home before Mm -hmm. it was like i'm visiting i could get kicked out i got a visa this year i can actually live there i think about two years ago was when it started i was there a lot more I yeah. finished school. I was doing a lot of traveling. I went to Australia for a few, like six months of the year. Um, I did that a few times actually, but I would spend at least three or four months a year. Last year I was there for about seven months. And mm-hmm. this year I was there for oh, yeah, about seven or eight months. Yep. So a lot of time. So now that's home. Yeah, that's home. That's, home. that's where I ski. I mean, we got the best setup in the world, really. We got Matt. Yep. And uh, we've got a guy that works from Cole as well. You know Cole. You've of course you've done a podcast with him. And between the two of them and everyone at the ski school, it's like it. I honestly believe it is the best place in the world to become a professional water skier. Mm-hmm. Like I can't imagine a better setup, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's. I mean, those are two high, high, high level coaches. Um, Mm-hmm. of different age so they can relate differently to different skiers no no yeah. I, I think your your training your training is sort of sorted you know yeah and that's um, that's showing i think yeah i think it's showing um now i obviously we're gonna get to talk about the world championships the open world championships yeah uh of this year but the and this is completely personal and and not um yeah just personal the first time I really took notice of you was at an under 21 world championships in Echelon Park. Yeah. That was just 
mad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> can you can you tell the story of those worlds? Because I mean, domination was pretty much the right. I I still get chills when I think about that world. Um, that that world started for me. Uh, LCQ for Masters. Okay. So the LCQ, I wanted to qualify for at least one event. Slalom, trick, jump, I didn't care. I wasn't expecting slalom, but I wanted to qualify in at least trick or jump. And I didn't. It was the year yep. Danny jumped huge, like 227 or 228. Five and a half foot ramp. Yeah, yeah like he jumped huge, and I didn't, I didn't make it. And uh, actually, like... Danny kind of pissed me off because <laughs> okay. he did that. And then that night we're at Top Golf, and I I swing the club as hard as I can and I completely duff the ball. It goes like flying right. And he comes over and he goes, you got to go easy. It's just like jump. Like if you try go hard, you're never going to go as far as me. <laughs> and okay. I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> you <laughs> like this, oh, this guy. And, uh, I went down to I went down to watch Masters, and he didn't show up. He only tricked, and that annoyed me even more. I was so mad about oh. that. Was it jump. because of the six foot ramp rule at you Masters? Had, yeah, for, so for Masters you had to be at six foot, and he didn't show up, and it but I just boiled my blood. And then I think to win trick it was like eleven two or eleven three, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there going like I could have done that like my runs add up to that i could have done that yeah and you know i'm all annoyed about that so i didn't even watch the finals to jump i just got in my car i drove home i went to the lake the next day and i didn't take a day off until worlds it's like three months just every, <laughs> so every I guess, day i guess that's that's a kind of like a, a self like a easy question to ask why'd you go to masters to watch to punish myself <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay yeah, i wanted to i wanted to go i was gonna go anyway some of my friends were gonna be there so i wanted to watch i mean i'm in america i hadn't been for years i went to one as a junior i missed out my second one because i broke my shoulder as a kid ah and okay. um yeah so i was like i want to go i want to watch it i want to see everyone ski and it was the worst and the best decision i made ever like mm-hmm. that was a big turning point for me right after that so i was like that... I'm, I'm going to the next one <laughs> <laughs> and so that led to just like what is it three months two three months of just like non-stop training yeah three months i didn't take a single day off mm-hmm. not one and the only time i took a day off was the day i flew down but i skied the day before i left i flew down and then i practiced every day for like two three days and i skied the tournament and yeah, yeah i was uh I was pretty motivated to win that one. Yeah, and I mean, tell us, tell us the scores, tell us the events. I mean, I, if I'm not mistaken, you were very close to the world overall record open, like not under 21, because this was yeah. an under 21 world championships. Yeah, you were was... close to the world overall record as an under 21 at the Worlds. Yeah. So I think round one, I went out, I tricked 10-5, I got four or I got one at 10 to um, at 41 and I jumped like 60 meters. So it was a pretty, start. it was a pretty like good start to the tournament. Like I had, I think 
that was enough to win overall. In my head, it wasn't. <laughs> I only right. went there with the aim to win overall, so the rest was a bonus. And in the finals, we go out. I think it started with Trick. I tricked 11,000 points, and that was a PB for me. I'm pretty mm-hmm. excited about it. Like, first time I tricked 11, but I actually lost my last turn line back-to-back. It was in time, but I fell. And if I'd okay. got that, if I'd got that trick, I would have broken the record. Oh, you would have broken the world overall record if that. Okay. Yeah, and wow. I didn't know that at the time. That was just I went out and I tricked, mm-hmm. and then later that day we had jump, and I went out and jumped, and I think I won on the first jump. Could have been the second. I think it was the first mm-hmm. jump I went out. It, yeah, it was first jump, one and done. I wow. went out to jump. It was like sixty three. And I went like 65-7. I went crazy. I threw my helmet Man. up in the air. I was the last guy off the dock because I was there was only two of us at six foot and I beat the other guy, Carlo Basic. He went at six foot. Yeah. So I was the yeah. last guy out. And that was that was huge because I just I won jump. Like I'm a world champion and I've still got two events left essentially. Like I've still got slalom. And in my head I'm thinking somebody can beat me in overall. Mm-hmm. I don't know at this point. And then that night, like it's pretty restless, but I managed to get some sleep. And we come to the lake for slalom finals. And I remember saying, I'm talking to Matt and Carl, and they're kind of like talking me through it. And I remember saying to Carl, I was like, it's going to happen. Like, it's on. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't thinking about the record. I was just thinking about winning slalom. And I knew I had to run 39. Like, I had to run 10-7. And I went out. I got the sketchiest four ball. I barely turned five ball, but I got round six. And, like, I know at that point, like, if if I'm going to lose, like, at least I did everything I could. Because I'm not expecting yeah. to get anything more than one. And uh, we come back on 41. I get a pretty bad gate. I just about get round one, and I'm in a shit. Oh, can I say shit? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, say yeah, again. it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, and I came flying into two. Terrible position. And, like, I still believe I went round it, but the judges don't. Um, okay. And I, I got one, but even if I got two, I, I think I had to get two and a half. And everyone always says he was like one and a half boys off. But I was only one trick off, and that bugs me more. For the record, you mean? For the For world the record. record. Yeah. So was that, I guess, because on one hand you said you still thought it wasn't enough for overall. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it sounds like you were you guys were aware, you and your group, that the world overall record was in the talks, like you, you were close. Well, after I jumped, I didn't know. After I jumped, okay. I'm just going crazy. Like, I've just won Worlds, and I'm thinking I've still got Slalom and Overall tomorrow. And when I came in, I talked to Cole about it that night, and he kind of was like, I think you're good. Like, you can pretty much just go out and Slalom however you like tomorrow, and you're good. Right. And that was that was really big, coming into Slalom, knowing that, like, I can just go Over. out and Slalom. Like I don't right. need to. I don't have to run thirty nine to win overall. I can just ski. Okay. Had yeah. to run thirty nine to win, but that was different. Didn't need double the, double the pressure. So did you win slalom also? Yeah, I won slalom. I won jump. I won overall. Came second in trick. And wow. um, we won the team overall as well. We won the gold. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, I it remember was huge. That. It was Who a was real big team deal with for you? us. So you, Rob, me, Rob, um, I think, I think Aaron Davies was there that year. Uh, Bent up, 
and Sancho mm-hmm. Altram. Solid team. Pretty good team. Solid I mean, team. I think every team me and Rob have been on together. We were talking about this. Every team we've been on, we've, we've made a team podium. <laughs> well, I mean, the two of you together, it's already pretty solid. Yeah, know? we're a pretty, pretty good match. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What? Okay, so under 21 Worlds is over. This is 2019, right? That's two years ago. You know, take a flight to go, I guess, to the U.S. or back back to England. What's going on through your head? Well, that was the same year as um, Malaysia. Mm-hmm. I had Malaysia later that year. And I've just almost broken the world record. And my head's just gone, it's massive. <laughs> right, right. So I've just, I've convinced myself that I'm going to win overall in Malaysia. Just because mm-hmm. I've skied well at under 21s. And that was not the case. I came third. Third in overall. I came third in overall, which was, I look back on it, that was amazing because it was my first ever open worlds. Yeah. But for me, I'm like, screw that. I want to win. Like this is, this is taking me back to, um, kind of like winning under 17s, mm-hmm. or coming third in under 17s at worlds and then not winning Europeans kind of thing. Right. Like right. I skied right, right. really well in one tournament, got excited, went easy, and then the next tournament. So it, it kind of brought me back to that. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, didn't ski great. I skied, I jumped good. I came third in jump. I came third in overall. So it's first world. It was, it was, Solid, it was incredible, man. but I wasn't convinced Solid. it was. Solid. So, Who was ahead of you in overall in Malaysia? I think Martin won. Martin won. Sledge came second. Ooh, like right yeah. behind like some yeah. some pillars of overall. Yeah, I mean, Sledge is, uh, he was my icon growing up. Actually, I've, I've mm-hmm. got a funny little backstory about Sledge. And I wonder, if, I wonder if he'll remember this because I've never spoke to him about it. But we were, at a, years. we were at a pro jump tournament. I think it was the Stokes. And he was there and I had a broken shoulder. So I'm just like doing the Watch. lines on the dock. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm a good skier at this point in my head. Like... I'm coming into my... This was after Worlds. I've already won under 17 Worlds in overall. Okay. So I think, you know, I think I'm top shit. Which I wasn't. <laughs> uh, and he called me kid. He was like, hey kid, can you pass that soap? And it, I don't know why, but it really cut me deep. <laughs> cut, me, <laughs> cut me really, really, really deep. And bearing in mind, like, this guy... He's been like my icon growing up. I mean, he's the first person I ever said do, had seen do a Mob Five in a tournament. He's making podiums in every event. Like, I think this guy's yeah. insane, kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, he called me kid, and I was upset by it. Like, put a little target on his back. <laughs> <laughs> and in coming into Malaysia, I mean, you know. Coleman was definitely a contender and I definitely underestimated him that tournament because I was I had my eyes focused on being Sledge and I didn't beat Sledge and I think that's what hurt more than anything mm-hmm. is how badly I wanted to beat him and I didn't and that was again fuel it was all fuel it's all fuel yeah and what, what I mean obviously that made you you know start to go okay I'm, I want to beat this guy um, but was it just like, I don't know how to say, like competitive rage? But were you still able to see, man, this is a great skier, but I'm going to just go chase him and beat him? 
or was it just like I'm just gonna beat him and screw this guy? I was wrong. He's not my idol. You know what oh, was no. the reaction? He he's still he's still an idol. You know. Yeah. Like yeah. he was my idol. This is the guy to beat. Like you want to be the best, and I wanted to be the best. You got to beat the best. Like I yeah. had to beat Sledge, and I had to do it at Worlds. It didn't matter if it was a Europeans or like a normal tournament. Like I had to beat him, and I had to beat him at Worlds. I had mm -hmm. to beat him. You know to be yeah. to overtake him yeah yeah and, and at I, the time like, he still had the overall world record yeah right? yeah the overall world record like and that was another thing like i had to get that record too but i knew i was close i knew that was coming mm -hmm. um but you only get one shot every two years of worlds a record you can do any time of the year if you find the right tournament the right site right so that was you know I, i've still got just so much respect for him I mean, he, he set the path for me. He kind of made that path mm -hmm. where you can be good at every event. And I think it must have been really hard for him being the first one to not have a weakness. Yeah. I mean, he, he, like, he really didn't have a weakness. He just had three good strengths. See, to me, to, I don't know how big of a, you know, passion, like how big of a passion for history you have in water skiing. But to me, like, him and Pipe were the first overall skiers that got away from the you gotta be a great trick and jump skier to be an overall skier you know yeah. like they showed that you can still slalom great and and do the other two great and that's what's gonna make you a great overall skier you know yeah. whereas before him it was really you know Jared, jimmy you know like if your trick and jumps are solid that's that's how you become an overall skier i think before sledge like especially sledge for me it was you're a really good jumper or you're a really good tricker you're pretty good in the other event like you should make a podiums and i mean well jimmy and Jarrett both broke records in both those events but the third event didn't really matter just had to kind yeah. of keep up you could just be really good at two events and if you go kind of even further back before them it was kind of more like you only had to be good at one event and then you had to be pretty good at the other two events. Yeah, right. But it was it wasn't be bad at one event. And in my head, it's like if you didn't if you weren't on podiums in every event, you weren't good at every event. You were just good at two events or one event. And Sledge wrote that out for me and made that really clear. And yeah, like that directed my focus into every event had to be good. I couldn't get away of a weak event because you wouldn't win. You had to be strong in every event. You had to attack the weakness. Yeah. And to me, what's even crazier, it's that the one event, which, as I said, generally was kind of like the weak event for the others, mm -hmm. was slalom. Yeah. And slalom, arguably, is the most competitive event of them all. Like, it's the one with the most skiers. Like, every... You talk to someone that water ski generally does slalom. Like, it's the one with the biggest numbers, and yet overall skiers started to break into that. Yeah. And they sort of needed to break into that to be competitive in overall. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 100%. I mean, in terms of financially as well, if you want to make money in skiing... If you want to be the best tricker in the world, you're not going to make too much. If you want to be the mm -hmm. best jumper in the world, you can probably do okay. If you want to be the best slalomer in the world, you can make some money, but you've got to be the best slalomer in the world. Yep. Now, if you're making finals in slalom, you're making a bit of money. I mean, now as well, especially with like Pro Water Ski Tour, 
you're getting more and more tournaments you're actually going to make a bit of money if you're making finals yeah um i think it's become really important if you want to sustain being a pro skier you need to be good at slalom like yep if you're really good at jump like freddy krueger and ryan dodd and you're going to win the events and you're going to podium at every one you can make some money but most of those events have slalom as well so if you can make a bit of money to kind of pay your entry and everything some of your costs then all that money from jump just kind of goes straight into the savings and keeps you going for a few more months right right and i i think i'm not sure if that was in their mindset as well but i can i'm sure that sledge has probably thought about that as well i'm sure i'm sure that was in the back of his mind you know mm -hmm. um all all accounts i've heard from people in the czech republic about sledge was that he was like just so talented in all three so probably it's also kind of came came through like continue to work on all three and all yep. three were improving um but i find it very interesting how you know people like you know obviously i'm thinking peep i'm thinking javi and and and, and sledge sort of started that mm -hmm. and then through came the others and then obviously you and dorian now are probably the the outmost example of that yeah um now let's go let's go to the worlds i think it's time okay, okay. <laughs> so we got we got worlds so you you skied malaysia first mm -hmm. worlds ever you get two bronze medals not good enough but you know it's malaysia it's not the best place to ski at all probably the worst place to ski yeah. ever <laughs> um and then you you sort of know maybe not right after but sometime after that the following worlds are going to be in the u.s in florida in a nice place good conditions among the best conditions in the world really um what was your mindset this year like this year is a world's year which obviously is a big year for a water skier how was the year leading up to worlds i uh coming into the year at the end of last year dorian broke the world record right it didn't get approved but that was like no fault of his own he did those scores he had enough to break that record and that was like it's not okay with me especially mm -hmm. after malaysia and getting that close to under 21s like that was not okay with me so i hit the gym and i was going to the gym twice twice a day every day in the winter and then i went to mexico to start skiing in the beginning of the year it's kind of hard to get to america so i was just skiing and getting back into it slowly working on trick more so than slalom and jump and then i went to chile and i skied with the gonzalez um and the nasas and they have an amazing lake they've got a gym in their house they've got a swimming pool so when i went there i was like, okay i can really start working here like i'm already in good ski shape now i can ski and keep mm -hmm. getting in shape and i put a lot of time in in the gym and in the pool when i was running around the lake every day and I went out, I really, really worked on trick. I learned that new backflip 540 over the line. Yep. And that was all just preparation to get back to mats because my only goal, like the only thing I cared about was win the Worlds. Like mm -hmm. overall jump, trick, slalom, whatever kind of records, whatever tournaments, none of them mattered. The only thing I cared about was I had to win overall. And I knew I okay. had to beat Dorian, like... I know it's going to okay. be me and him and it's going to be so tight. It's not going to be easy. Mm -hmm. 
I got back and I started training. I'm training really hard. I broke the record in the start of the year. And when I did it, I went, uh-oh. Too soon, maybe. <laughs> I just woke up Dorian. Ah, okay. okay. I just woke him up. Cause so that was at, at, that was at, at Kyle's, right? That was Kyle's. Fluid? Yeah, it was the first one of the year, fluid. And uh, yeah, like pretty good tournament. I can't remember the exact scores, but I think it was like a 225. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe, a, yeah, there's like 225, 11,500 or 300. And um, well, yeah, I think it was 11,500. And I think I only got four and a half at 39. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it a pretty good score, but like, it was down but sorry joel just give a sense to our listeners because just to give you an idea like a lot of the listeners of the water ski podcast don't compete in water skiing they they mm-hmm. maybe slalom a bit even less they know about how a overall world, sh- the world record works so these have to be in the same round yeah you've got right? so it's a two-round tournament so i've got two attempts basically to break the tournament but you can only break the record in one round. So the first round of slalom, trick, and jump, the scores combined add up to a certain amount of points out of 3,000. Yeah. Um, and let's say jump, if you go 225 feet, you get like 900 and or 897 points mm-hmm. out of 1,000. Um, 1,000 being the, the world record of that event. I believe so. Yeah. Um, I'm not 100% sure of it myself, honestly. I just <laughs> play by the rules and let them sort them out. Right. But like, I, guess, I guess it's a good <clears throat> teaching moment because obviously at the World Championships or European Championships, there's the 1,000-point rule, mm-hmm. which is the highest score of that event yeah. by someone that does overall. Yeah. Right. So, so the difference, I guess, for a record versus the Worlds or an event in the event, it will be the highest score out of any overall skier. So if I go out and I get the highest jump score, I get a thousand points. Yep. And let's say the score was seventy meters. That's a thousand points. If you were to go sixty meters, you would get however many points. I think it would be around like eight hundred. Mm. Um, and that's kind of how it figures itself out. Whereas for a world record, it goes off the world records for every single event. It's not against overall skiers. It's about the pros in their single events. Yep. Which yep. makes it a little bit harder in some ways. <laughs> right. Right. It's all, it's all strategy. It's fun. Now, okay, so you start the season. I mean, I, I was following you on social media a little bit. Like you were Mexico, Chile. I know you went to Mario's at a certain point in the DR. Uh, like you were traveling a little bit, mm-hmm. trying to find the groove. First tournament of the year world record yeah and so your thought was man now dorian is just getting noticed and uh, he's gonna wake up he's coming for me basically and right. uh he did i think we had the first lcq and he jumped or i think he i think he tricked enough and he slammed enough but he didn't jump enough mm-hmm. and then we went to the next one and i we both qualified he qualified trick i qualified jump then the next event the first one yeah 
Then the next event, he got really close. Like, he just had to stand up his trick run. I think he had to trick, like, 11-2, and he broke the record. And he messed up just at the end, and he tricked, like, 10-9, 10-8, and he was just, like, devastated. Close. Like, and I felt so bad for the guy at the time, because I can see he was so close, and that was his opportunity, and he knew it, and he just, like, human error, had a small little mess up, and it's just, like, in a blink of an eye, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew as soon as he did that, I mean, before that, I knew he was coming with me, but I knew as soon as he did that, it's just like a matter of time. He's just got to wait for the right tournament and he'll do it. Mm-hmm. And he did. I mean, I think it was at Fluid as well, um, about a month, a month before Worlds, which honestly, that was like, I think he knows as well. He messed up doing that a month before Worlds because it's just, it fueled me. It made me just go, all right took my record i'm taking this back at the worlds because until then it was like i just wanted to win worlds he did that my next tournament's worlds my yep. last overall tournament of the year it's like okay i'm taking it back there mm-hmm. um and yeah it was that last month before worlds was the i stayed pretty calm before tournaments but that was the most emotional roller coaster i've ever been in my life stuff what do you down mean and just every set reaction every, to every that set. set took on so much importance to me that if i <laughs> right. didn't break a world record every single day i failed okay like if i messed up one thing i failed like if i didn't do it in the first set off the dock like i'd go do five jumps but if i didn't do it if the first three weren't huge and the last two were i failed bad set yeah is like and there was so much stress in it and in hindsight i look back i probably was maybe too hard on myself and that affected more so my slalom than anything because coming into that i've been slalming really well mm-hmm. um and slalom like if i didn't get four at ten two, i was just i was so mad wow so you failed and i didn't have to get i just had to run ten seven. <laughs> <laughs> right that was like the only that was the goal but if i didn't get four i was pretty mad at myself um and yeah, just was a bit up and down, but you know, I got a really good support crew. It was actually Taryn Grant, Cole's sister. We yep. were sitting on the couch one day and she was talking to me and like I was just like I couldn't even hear anything she was saying. It was just going straight through me because I'm just like so focused on what I'm like on worlds and it's three weeks out. Right. And I said to her, I'm like, I'm so sorry, but like I can't hear anything you're saying right now i'm just i'm so out of it right like what do you mean i'm like i don't know like the last three days i feel like i've not even noticed anyone else's existence it's just been like ski 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 Mm -hmm. i'm so out of it and we sat on the couch for like an hour and we just talked things out and she was stressing out as well about jump and we were both just like hey it's gonna be okay she probably did a better job than i did i think she talked me down more than i talked her down (laughs) right you're gonna be um, fine, Taryn. Don't worry. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like we both had a pretty good chat, and you know, I think we calmed each other down a bit more. She really calmed me down because I was freaking out, and then after that, everything was good. Like it was like, nah, we've got this. You've trained all your life for this moment. You've mm-hmm. got this. Mm-hmm. And how far in, how far out from the world was this this chat? About three weeks. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So it's like a healthy amount I, of time. I gotta say, yeah, exactly. I gotta say that what 
what surprised me the most because you broke the world overall record in the prelims of the worlds yeah right so again just to a bit of education here at the worlds you can improve your overall in the finals Mm -hmm. but in terms of beating a a world overall record it still has to be in the same round so either all in the prelims or all in the finals and what shocked me the most was how calm you looked now I don't know if it was all a facade or if you were if you really reached that moment where you were like, you know, say trusting in your training and you knew you were ready. But to me, it just shocked me how calm you looked. Yeah, I mean, going into that tournament, I wanted to break the world record. Mm-hmm. We have this saying that you can't win a world's on the first round; you can lose a world's on the first round. Now with mm-hmm. overall you know you can win on the first round um but you may not get a second round if you don't get a second round you can lose and i didn't get a second round of slalom and that i knew in the back of my head that i only had like and that was a first event slalom so i had trick and jump and i had to go out and break the record in those next two events i only had one attempt had no backup no safety but i also had to (laughs) had to make final right so I was stressing a little bit, but you know, you keep that inside and it's, you trust your process. Again, I got a great support crew and they kept me pretty calm. And I think it comes back to just being a kid, being in the lake, John shouting at me and screaming at me and putting so much pressure on me that it's like, you're not afraid to fail. You're afraid to not succeed giving it a hundred percent. Like this is my plan. I'm going to go out and I'm going to stick to it. And if it doesn't work, I didn't mess up today. I messed up three months ago when I made my plan. Right. And now, and the worst case scenario is I lose, but I I live another day. And if I lose, like I've got so much more out of losing than I have winning. Got it. Like I know if I'd lost next year, probably would ski better than I will this year. Or knowing, knowing how I've skied at worlds. If I'd lost next year, it would have been dangerous, but, because I've won, you know, I'm not going as hard right now. Maybe it would be as good. We'll see. But, um, yeah, like losing was the worst case scenario. And it's also kind of the best case scenario. So that's kind of how I keep calm, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, that's, that's a very effective approach, honestly. Now, into the specifics. I mean, you were in the, in the runoff for the, for the final at the Worlds, right? In Slalom. Yeah. And were you last off the dock, one before last? For the runoff, I was last off. Yeah. yeah. Like, ah. How was that? Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, what was it? Dane first off the dock, one and nine? Like, Yeah. That, so I, I stood on the bank, and I'm getting myself into that place where it's like, okay, you got to go for this. Like, you got to really find something deep inside you and go for this. Because in the prelims, it was going for it, but it was going like 90% because I'm not going to try and kill myself to get around a boy. Like, I've got yeah. a few other events, and that's where I messed up because I didn't throw myself round three, but a pretty good two. I could have gone round three if I committed. Mm-hmm. But I was like, no, get two. We'll deal with it in the runoff. Yeah. Well, I'm in the runoff. <laughs> the first guy goes out. He gets one at nine. Stain. And I'm, I'm watching Sasha on the dock and I'm looking at him 
like it was like a lion kind of stalking his prey (laughs) (laughs) and i'm looking at him and i said whatever he does i'm going to beat him and i watched him ski and he got two it's like three is what i'm getting like all right we'll see what john does like it's his home site but like i will beat this person right here (laughs) right and then john's next and he puts his stuff on and i'm watching him get ready and the same thing i'm looking at him like a lion kind of stalking his prey right didn't blink going back and forth getting pretty rolled up inside and he went out i think he got three and a half yep and at this point the sun's getting kind of low there's a bit of sun glare it's getting a little darker i've not skied for a few hours at this point but in my mind i'm like i've got this i'm gonna mm-hmm. i'm gonna do this like there was no doubt in my mind that i was getting to four and i went out on 39 there was a bit of sun glare on two four but i'm kind of used to it from growing up skiing in the evenings in england so that was like no worries and it was actually a really really good 39 i remember better better than my prelims i was like oh yeah and we dropped in and i'm still like i didn't say a word like normally i talk to the driver i didn't say a word i'm pretty in my zone and as we come back i got a really good one not too bad of a two and as i'm coming into three i just went like as hard as i possibly could and completely messed it up. It was gutting. Hello. But, uh, that's how it goes sometimes. Oh, hello. Joel. Yeah. Yeah, did I lose you? Yeah, yeah. Just at the worst moment, man. Oh. <laughs> so you're coming into three. Oh, I'm coming into three and I did the huge, like the biggest turn I could have ever done. Like I go back and watch the video and the lines like behind me at the boy and I'm already in a lean position. It's like underwater. And then I took the hit and like, there's no way I was getting to four. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I'm so like mad at myself, but I'm sitting there going, this was the first event. And like you're against dane john sasha and you just missed out like you just missed out and i'm like and you know what like you got you got two and doran's my aim he's got five and a half so i'm like you're already ahead five and a half like ten seven yeah so i'm like you're like you're in a good place yeah solid start yeah (laughs) i wasn't i wasn't too upset with it if anything i was more like that's it. That's how I'm skiing from now on. I'm skiing like a lion. I'm not sitting there like a little baby going, oh, I don't want to do this and going 90%. Like I'm going 110. Yeah. I'm going 110 every event. And from that point on, I went 110 pretty much yeah. every event. Like I think yeah. the only thing I really messed up was um, my first jump in the prelims. I went like 62. Mm-hmm. And I was just so early. Um, and then after that, I went like 68 and then 69. It's like, perfect. <laughs> now, question, because one of the things that I found interesting, and I talked about it with Trent in, in our episode last week, was the tr- the men's tricks, right? Mm-hmm. So it was 10.580 or 10.590, the cut for the final. That means that 12 skiers skied that or more, which is unbelievable. Yeah. 
and then in the final i think it was jake with 10-4 was third yeah give me your your sense about that because i remember talking to Corey about about this after the final and he basically said ah, this, this is tricks it's normal but to me it made little sense at the time yeah i mean um i blame i blame pat font for being too good <laughs> <laughs> okay because everyone out went out there wanting to win every single person that final wanted to win and um there was maybe a few like jake that were sensible and went no like we'll just stand up and we'll get the points we need and we'll be happy with what we trick we won't go out there trying to do an insane run mm-hmm. and i'm guilty of that too because i didn't look at a single score i just went out thinking i had to trick twelve thousand points to win yeah it wasn't the case big mistake like i messed up there out on that world that is the one thing i really regret is i was trying to trick twelve thousand. and uh, in my head i was going to do ski line seven at the end of it and as I came into ski lines, I did my first ski line five and rushed it because I had to get ski line seven in time. I messed up. I think yeah. every other person did that as well. Everyone went into yeah. that except Dorian. Dorian knew he had to score more points. He didn't have to win trick. Mm-hmm. And that really paid off for him. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know about I don't know about Pato, but um, yeah, like everyone's a human being at some point we make mistakes and we mess up and i guess on that day pato messed up and dorian dorian made the right call get more points yeah. don't overdo it yeah because i think you're getting to that you, you like i think at the finals just by an outside observer um mm-hmm. you can fall into those two traps either you know I need to do 12 or which is understandable it's the finals at the world the worst score of those people in was 10 5 90 yeah. go full gas and try yeah. to win and that for the majority of people didn't pay off but I also think how when you start seeing one falling and two falling and three falling then you might go okay still big run but stay conservative stay easy and it doesn't work when you go for a big run well so I think on my side at least from my view the dumbest thing i did in that tournament was not watch anyone else trick aha uh-huh. and it's cuz i didn't want to know what dorian tricked cuz if he had really upped his score he could have then overtaken me in overall correct so he had, he had yeah, jumped right. further and i had a lot of points on him in trick but if he had tricked more than me which he's capable of it shut the gap and i freaked out about that and my only thought was win overall in the back of my mind I had to do ski line seven to get over that 12,000 mark to win the overall mm-hmm. and hopefully the trick. Well, kind of, sorry, kind of like in Canada two years prior where you still thought you had to do these crazy things to win overall. Yeah. I mean, never under underestimate your, uh, like never underestimate anyone cause they will yeah. shock you. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, for sure. And if you're not expecting it, it's going to really hurt when it comes. So I'm always kind of expecting someone to just go out there and one-up me and I'm going to have to do something insane to make up for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, coming into that event, I, re- I really regret not watching anyone else ski. I don't regret what I decided to do and how I fell because I fell with my plan in mind of going for ski line seven and I messed up and it was just like, ah, it happens. If I hadn't have gone for ski line seven, I probably would have stood up that run. I might have had two gold medals that tournament, but yeah, 
it was a big it was a big learning point for me yeah which that, that's the other thing that surprised me like i remember you you sort of messed up ski line five and by the way you for some reason three or four skiers that tournament like ski line five back first ski lines after flips fall yeah but um <clears throat> but i remember you sort of like pretty unfazed you know like oh all right took your ski and went back up i i didn't see like you know the the reactions that i saw in the other skiers let's say yeah i mean i i stayed pretty calm about it yeah. like i remember messing up and i remember thinking oh one sec my dog's just scratching at my door no no problem you take the dog this way you can edit that part out right <laughs> oh no we're keeping it in we're keeping it oh, in. what's okay. your dog's name <laughs> reggie reggie yeah he's a rescue from spain ah there you go yeah, there you go cute. where was i we were at like you fall at finals at worlds not too big of a reaction yeah, possibly I mean... because you had a plan you tried and like kind of kind of like the john battle days rule you tried 100 percent. you had a plan i uh, didn't happen at that point i could have smashed my ski um uh-huh. i could have completely just de destroyed it if dorian had tricked more points than me it would have been a very different deal but at that point i don't know what he's tricked so i'm walking back i'm trying to stay calm i mean there's loads of people on the bank so you can't make a big scene in front of them and let anyone see that it's affected you Mm -hmm. So, you know, you just kind of keep it inside, keep your head up, put a smile on and deal with it. And yeah, when I got back, I saw Dorian's score. It cut deep because I know he's now upped his score by like six or 700 points. It's going to be pretty tight coming into jump final. Um, and, and you yeah, guys like, are like one, bef like the top two seeds into the jump finals. Yeah, you know, it's me, that it's was me awesome. than him. I'm so glad yeah, it wasn't yeah. him. I, I did not envy him being the last guy out. That would have been horrible. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it, it definitely cut deep, but it was one of those, it you know, it won't happen again kind of thing. I will make right. a better decision next time. And I'm glad that I've learned that now. Yep. And so did you, so that's interesting. You walked back after falling in tricks and you still didn't know anyone's score. No. Which is crazy because you were one before last of the dock, right? I think after you was only Pato. Yeah, I just didn't want to know scores. I didn't want to know. I just <laughs> yeah. wanted to go out and go with my plan and do what I had to do. Because in my head, Pato's tricking 11-2. I'm tricking 11-4. Or he's tricking 12-2. I'm tricking 12-4. That was my right. plan. Right. And um, yeah, it's not how it went that day. <laughs> so so okay so th that's that's the end of tricks final there's jump final uh shortly after yep. were you still ahead into jumps final yeah i'm still ahead in overall i think he had to jump an extra like two and a half meters mm -hmm. or an extra two meters um but then the which is hard changed. but doable right hard but doable but then the scores changed again because um Oh, no, no, no. Don't worry. The scores didn't change. They changed a little bit because um, Ryan jumped further. I remember panicking about that, but that was all fine. But yeah, I knew right. he had to he had to jump far, and at that point, he had a pretty good headwind. It was the perfect day for it. He's the last guy off the dock. I mean, at that point, you're either going to go huge or you're going to mess up. 
Right. And I'm expecting him to go huge. And uh, that was... I remember I I went out before him, and on my first one, I was nervous. Mm -hmm. And I don't know any distances for jump, because, like, in jump, I never want to know the distance. You can only do what you can do. Or at least last time I knew the distance, I went out the front. (laughs) Ah, okay. Was Um, that this summer? Yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah, just... Didn't want to know scores again. I don't know why. Next time I'm going to want to know scores, but this time I didn't want to know. Right. And yeah, I went out. I jumped like 69.5, I think, on my first one. And it didn't yep. register. Like, I did it. I came back. I saw the scoreboard. I was like, all right. Shaking my head, like, cool. Um, and then I, <laughs> okay. I came back for the second jump. And it was less, and I knew it was a little less because I slipped. But like as I landed, I was like, "Man, I hope that's more than sixty-nine-five." Like as I'm coming down to land, and it registered, and I did like a huge roar. It's like I went sixty-nine-five. Like ah, <laughs> <laughs> you registered after you landed the second jump. Like as I landed my second jump, it registered how far my first one was. So I let out a roar. It was like a minute later for the first one. <laughs> right. Right. It was actually it was actually not as far, so I looked kind of silly. I think it was like sixty nine three, so it's still a pretty big jump. And yeah, then coming into my third one, I was like convinced I was going to go seventy meters. And mm. uh, every time you're convinced you're going to go seventy meters, you don't go seventy meters because you go too right. hard. And right. I did that, and it was a little bit less. I think it was sixty nine one. Wow, but pretty. I remember it was pretty solid, consistent jump set. Biggest jump set of my life. Ah, well, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Like now, now question, because obviously you you got second in masters this year in jump. Mm-hmm. You qualified for jump masters at the first LCQ. Like I mean, this year you've been jumping far. So I guess my question is: into the jump finals at Worlds, is your mind just on overall or jumping as well? Like what what was your focus? I guess. I went back and forth actually the night before about that in my in my head I was laying in bed and I remember going back and forth about it and I decided before I went to sleep that tomorrow we don't go to win trick we don't go to win jump we're going to do what we can to go as far as we can and if we do we win but we we go for overall mm-hmm. we go to ski what we can ski and yeah like for jump I didn't I had no idea how far Ryan went or how far Freddie went, but I knew after Ryan jumped that he went over 70 meters. I mean, you could see him go up, and I was like, that's huge. I thought it was actually further because it looked huge. Yeah. Um. And, yeah, like coming in, coming into that sort of jump set, it was just a matter of do what you can do, get your technique right. And in hindsight, I definitely overdid it. I went a bit too hard like kind of out of my turn i was going as hard as i could trying to go as far as i could and the way i jump it's go as hard as you can into the ramp right and uh it worked i mean i still managed to go pretty hard into the ramp but i do kick myself i could have gone further i think you always think that after a set but (laughs) yeah of course Uh, and especially especially if you're a proper jumper like i think that's that's generally the 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 mode of thinking you know like ah if i only did or e if he if you know I, yeah. I know I know exactly that. I mean, I was never a jumper at your level, but I I know how how you guys you understand think, the mindset. 
Yeah. I understand the mindset. Never experienced it on my own, but I understand it. Um, all right. And so, you know, a few minutes after that, like a few minutes after that very solid 69 plus jump set, you're world champ. Yeah. I mean, for those few minutes after, it was some of the worst moments of my life because I'm sitting there thinking, Doran's going to beat me. I keep I'm yeah. thinking he's going to go further. He's going to beat me. Is he going to beat me? I don't know. And the first jump's not huge, and the second jump's not huge, and I think he passed from his third. I can't remember. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, it, it really did not feel real. It just was, like, ridiculous. I couldn't get <laughs> okay. over, like, the feeling of, like, yeah. oh, my God, I'm not, like, asleep. I'm, like, hitting myself in the face a little bit. Like, this is this is real. I'm not asleep. And my dad was there and like that was a really big moment for me like having him there with me like when Doran didn't jump what he had to in that last jump like went straight to my dad and we had like a, a big hug and then I saw Matt and saw Cole and yeah like it was it was a really big moment for me yeah walk us through what was going on in your head first minute first 10 minutes first hour I mean, I just didn't stop smiling. I was like, I was pretty happy about it. I was pretty excited. And like, I just didn't know what to do. Cause like all my life, this is what I've been dreaming of. And it's finally happened. And I'm like, this is real. And I keep, yep. you know, and everyone's coming up to me and saying like, well done. And then like, honestly, in, in the moment, it just really didn't feel real. And even for like a few weeks, it didn't feel real. It's only really started settling since I've stopped skiing. Mm -hmm. like after Miami pro I stopped skiing I put my skis down and then it started kicking in and like more so maybe the last week it's really started becoming real yeah. um but yeah I mean I remember that night at the banquet I mean normally you have a huge party and everyone gets pretty drunk but like I was exhausted <laughs> right right I was I was con I was sitting at that table and I'm just completely out of my mind, like blank face, like not even thinking, just like, oh, right, finally done. it's over. <laughs> right, done. Yeah. And then you go on that podium and you start singing God Save the Queen. Yeah, honestly, I don't, I don't even remember it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll describe it for you. So they call second place Dorian, first place Joel. The, the national anthem starts. You sing, I kind of composed, you know? Yeah. And then there's the table with all with all the Brits, like they're singing someone more louder than others. And then the loudest of them all, just behind the table is Nick Parsons, who was singing <laughs> the national anthem out of his throat, you know? <laughs> and it was awesome. Like with really? so much pride, so much pride, like That's as if amazing. he was from, you know, two I blocks heard away about from that you. Yet. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, so there was Will and, and Freddie and yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Every, Tom. Everyone was there. And then in the back, Yeti just going, you know, happy Singing out. and glorious. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was great. What a legend. What a legend. Oh, man. No, that was, that was an insane tournament uh, overall. I mean, I think, I mean, obviously, you being one of the, the, the shining stars there. What else? What else? Um, because I know it's hard to pay attention to to everything else that's going mm -hmm. on in the moment, but if you think back, what are some of the things that impressed you at those worlds beyond your skiing? 
Yeah, I uh, I didn't watch a load. I think Whitney's crash was definitely a big highlight for me. I thought that was like the nastiest crash I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Um, that I still have it literally in my head. Like it was yesterday when Ryan, that huge jump. I think it was like seventy point nine. That sticks in my head really strong. Like seeing yeah. him come off the ramp and just like <laughs> just took off. Just took off. I mean. That, that really stuck in my head. Um, but honestly, I think one of my one of my favorite parts was uh, was watching Will actually in the final. Because mm-hmm. he had that, he had a runoff and then he had another runoff and he got like four or five, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like that, that really stuck with me, like seeing him go out there and like, I just, I found that really impressive to see him go out there and do that with that like immense amount of pressure. I think Brian went first. Brian Detrick, yeah. and he got he got four, or it might have been five. I think it was five. Yeah, he got five, and then Will five. Yeah, and then Will got five after that, and it was just like, <laughs> I, like even now when I think about, it, I get I get some chills because that was that was really impressive, and that I think that was one of the most impressive parts of that tournament for me. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, getting out of three again, because then in, in the second round of Brian got three, and then Will just got out of three and managed to pull to four and, and yeah. got the third spot. And I was saying to Trent yesterday, uh, sorry, last week, Brian skied three in the prelim, yeah, three in the final, to then yeah. do five in the runoff, and then three yeah. in the second runoff, and didn't come home with any metal. That's yeah. that's insane. That's you know? really rough. <laughs> it's rough. He got a rough, rough run at that. He got a really rough run. I felt bad for the guy, but um, you know, got to support the Brits. <laughs> no, no, of course. Uh, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, but um, uh, yeah, that I, if I was him, I would be pretty upset. I'd be pretty mad. Mm-hmm. You can't be too yeah, mad well, about it because you know it is what it is. But I'm sure he was not happy. Yeah, it's a lot of big scores, you know. It's a lot of big yeah. scores not to come home with some type of medal. Yeah. Um, well, look, I think there's a few questions I, I have. Um, well, the first one is the social media, okay? And and, oh, I'll, yeah. and I'll ask you why. Because uh, I got home last year and I started coaching at our ski school. And we have a lot of kids from mm-hmm. all around Europe. And all they seem to be paying attention to is you, your social media, and what you do on your trick sets, and they try to attempt it in their trick set as well, which I encourage, obviously, uh, until they go a little bit beyond their skill and they just eat it, you know? Yep. <laughs> so I guess the first question I have is how, how did it sort of arise to you that, you know, you wanted to put your stuff out there, you know, like? I mean, I've always kind of like posted on social media a little bit. Like, I remember first time I landed Mob Five. Mm-hmm. I was, I think, around sixteen or seventeen, or oh no, it was front flip back to back, the half jack back to back. First time mm-hmm. I landed that, I tagged Ace, Alexei, yeah, and Sledge in it, and I said, "Tag, you're it." <laughs> <laughs> cocky little 16 year old 15 year old kid um and i thought i was so cool um and like that was kind of like the beginning of when i started getting on social media i've always kind of like making videos and i listen to a lot of music and yeah i mean i just saw some videos of like wakeboarders actually kind of just posting a bunch of stuff but posting a bunch of content 
it's like that looks fun i mean i kind of do all that stuff and i just started videoing sort of the normal things i do and people seem to like it gained mm-hmm. like twelve thousand followers like this year it's like yeah pretty awesome but uh yeah i mean honestly it was just i video everything anyway so i can watch it right so i just started putting some music to it and posting it up there posting it out there yeah. well i mean i think it, it's had a lot of like to me it's had a huge effect it's funny how sometimes it's just like an idea okay i'm already doing these things might as well put them up mm. but i mean you know things like the water ski nation trick uh contest yeah during the pandemic you know like yeah. things of those nature wouldn't have i don't know that they would have even been conceived if there wasn't you know someone who was posting his random sets you know like his uh back foot sliders and some air rally and then a huge mob and yeah you know followed by hopping on the wakes but not really jumping the wakes, just hopping before and clearing it you know like the, yeah. the stuff you normally do the fun creative so, stuff yeah which is which i think was missing you know in tricks. yeah i agree i mean that's always what it, it trick has been about for me like I say this a lot that I stopped tricking for points a long time ago. Because if I go out there going, I need to trick more points, I just, I hate it. Like it yeah. just, it kills me. I go out there to trick and to have fun. And I see so many kids doing it. They're going out on their trick ski and like they don't have that originality and that fun. And, you know, I think you're never going to be better than the person before you if you're just copying them like scripted. Yeah, you have to kind of take your own way to it. And if you look at even Pato, he's taken his own way to tricking in how fast he is. Yeah, like he's ridiculously fast. He's put his own kind of spin on something that exists. He didn't just go, okay, I'm going to do the same run with a bigger trick. He changed the game and made you go quicker. Now everyone's trying to go quicker. Yeah. Well, I'm never going to beat him if I go as quick. So I need to do bigger tricks. Mm-hmm. and go as quick and that's kind of like where it begins but it's you know it comes back to having fun being a kid going out and running the slalom course cable cable you know. and just getting comfortable in your trick ski like i think yeah. anytime you're on the water and you're skiing no matter what you're doing it's going to help the other events it's going to help your balance and your coordination and it's kind of what it what it's about for me which is kind of connected to what i not a, I don't want to say it's a rhetorical question, but more so than a message to the kids that watch you. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see what you would say to the, you know, the normal parent. You know, parent all around the world has some kid in their teens. They they ski. They they like overall. Any advice? Because I mean, obviously, I think one of the upfront differences between someone who's a slalom skier and overall skier is just the sheer amount of skiing and sets and time at the lake like yeah that's a the first big difference between someone who's pursuing overall someone who's pursuing one event so anything any advice anything you want to say to those parents i've seen the error a thousand times of so many kids where they only do two sets a day And if you want to do overall, if you want to do all three events, you need to do four minimum every day. Like even if it's three sets, but that trick set is a long trick set and you're doing hands and toes every day, 
you've got to do that but you need to keep it fun so i think what you need is you need to ski a lot it's a lot of hours skiing you need a good coach and a consistent coach so you've got some kissness consistency you're skiing with the same person and you have a plan together and if you've got two coaches one in your country and you know one in a warmer climate you stick to those two you don't go to 10 different people because they're all mm-hmm. it's you start getting some crazy sandwiches getting made there you know right right you've got to have consistency in your coaching and then as a parent stay the hell out of it (laughs) leave it to the kid leave it to the coach when they come home they don't need another coach telling them this and that like Mm -hmm. you know you got to trust the coach and the coach can bring you in and tell you what you need to do but don't become the parent that's overbearing and in control and is so in control that their kid doesn't have the freedom because that's the thing my parents were best at. They they leave it to the coach because he knows what he's doing and he's a professional. And, you know, if he wants to shout at my kid, I guess I'm going to kind of let him shout at my kid. Mm-hmm. Maybe when mm-hmm. the kid's not looking, I'm going to be like, hey, take it a little easy. Right. But, like, they never undermine the coach. It was always he's in charge, you listen to him. And they never took that authority away from the coach. Which, you know, I think beyond performance i mean i think if you're if your objective is performance wins records that's a super good strategy like yeah let the coach do the work but i guess even more so to just make sure the kid stays in the sport right i just seen so many times the the, the mistake being in overbearing parents yeah you know? um and then and then the skier and i mean i'm I'm sure you've seen them too, amazing skiers, like super talented, great skiers that for one reason or another, generally, you know, uh, connected to pressure that shouldn't have been there from the people that shouldn't have applied it. Yeah. Kind of, we lose them. It's, you see it a lot. You see it with a lot of good skiers. And uh, I think it's hard if you're a coach um, and parent like, I have no idea about that because I didn't have to deal with that. But in terms of if you're not a coach, don't try and be one. Right. You know, leave that to the coach because you're going to push your kid too hard and he's going to hate it. You know, you can push them, you know, at the lake. But when they come home, doesn't it, it doesn't matter anymore. They're still like a kid. They're still a human being. And you've got to acknowledge that side of them as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it's for us that we are European. I think that the classic example is the is the football parent on the bleachers at a under eight football game, you know, where yeah. they're all coaches now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's exactly like that. I mean, I think it's good to have your parents heavily involved and support you, but you just, you got to trust your kid. And if they don't want to ski, like they don't want to ski. Mm-hmm. If you get them around the right environment, maybe with some kids and it's a bit more fun for them, they'll enjoy that side and maybe that'll bring them into the skiing. And I think you'll find that if you're going somewhere with a coach and you're leaving it to the coach a little more, most coaches that have a few kids, they try and set them up to ski together. Yeah. Try and make it a bit more fun for them because, you know, I'm in the sport because of the friends. Like I love skiing, but I love the people I met in this sport. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what kept you in. And then of course you're crazy motivated and you want, you know, you, you want to be the best in the world, clearly. You, you've always had that in, clear in your mind, but certainly yeah. the friends and, 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 and the environment is what, is what got like kept you in and, and keeps you in. Um, 
So I guess, what do you see going back to the social media? Um, I think, and I've talked about it with Marcus a lot. I think in the last, say, three to four years, um, basically we lost what is Mag. Yeah. But then all these other content started to arise, you know, podcasts, videos, webcasts, you know. Um, and then I think also skiers on social media started to become more active, you know, like mm-hmm. more, more involved. Um, I guess what trends do you see? What do you see could be done better? Like curious to hear your opinion. I, I think two years ago, there was like no social media for skiing. Yeah. And it was definitely an issue. And I, I actually, I did notice that kind of the start of this year when I started posting, no one else was really posting stuff about skiing like ever mm-hmm. the, like odd post at the lake and, them running a pass, super super zoomed out, no music. Like it wasn't easy to watch. And yeah, I just kind of started making it a bit easier to watch. I'm just copying sort of what everyone else is doing in every other sport where you get a different angle and a good song and it kind of just does it for itself. Mm-hmm. But I think the best thing we can do as skiers for ath- and like as athletes in general is promote it as much as we possibly can on social media. Because it's the way everything's moving. I mean, the average person's spending like upwards of three or four hours on their phone a day. Some people are spending like upwards of 10 on their phone a day. You know, if you post enough stuff out there, they will see it. And if there's enough content out there, it's going to grow the sport as a whole. It's not Mm -hmm. about getting a piece of the pie. It's like the pie getting bigger. And the way we can do that is by social media growing water skiing on there. And I think, like pro water ski tour starting the instagram page like that's amazing i think that's so good mm-hmm. water ski nation like we've got these sites and like even water ski fables like i've i've followed them like yep. we've actually got instagram pages i mean i know i was hit riffing pretty hard on hell yeah water ski memes but oh, like okay I, I think it's great that we have meme pages and keeping you up to date in pro skiing and crashes and fun stuff. Like there's so many out there, even ball of spray. Mm-hmm. Like I think that is so good. And the more of that we can get, the better it's going to be, the bigger the pie is going to get for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, I guess that's, that's exactly where I think we started to get to two years ago, two or three mm-hmm. years ago, like at a stage where like, say any content that arises about water skiing, please like, let's, let's go, you know? Yeah. Um, but then people like, I guess, Marcus or, or Vino with the TWBC, they sort of upped the scale and said, okay, now good content, good, good content is good content, right? Yeah. Or like say what you're doing with social media, like it's not enough to put a GoPro on a ski dock and run 10.7 and post it. It's like, yeah. it's got to be looking good and it's got to have some type of creati- creative flavor to it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe that's that's the next step, you know, like everyone try to step up their game in terms of uh, social 100%, media. 100%, like putting your own spin on it. I mean, like you can get paid from being on Instagram as well now. Like yeah, you can actually, yeah. that can be part of your job. And you're pretty, mm-hmm. like most skiers are doing it anyway. They're filming their sets. They've got someone in the boat filming it. If it's on the GoPro, it's not as good. But like, hey, film it on your GoPro and make a YouTube channel talk to your camera first people aren't going to care as much about the skiing if you're getting involved on like a personal level as well because people like Mm -hmm. to they like to support people you know yeah 
yeah, what yeah. sport's about. We want to get behind someone and cheer for them, but they want to know that person first. Social media is perfect for that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that that was really the intuition we had last year with Waterski Pro Tour. Sort of like, okay, there's a lot of great things going on in cash price tournaments. Let's just try to make sure they're easy to follow and easy yep. to learn the athletes. Yeah. And I gotta say, um I believed in it, but I'm surprised of how well it worked. You know. I I think we're at the beginning of it as well. I think the next few years I really hope they keep moving the way they've been moving. Because yeah. like this year, if anybody if anybody followed the pro water ski tour, and they watched all the tournaments, like I think there was only two tournaments this year that had like a bad webcast, and everyone else used the water ski broadcast company, and it yeah. was like, it, it's like watching Formula One or golf, you know, like you could actually put that on your TV and be interested and watch it. It was engaging. Yeah, and that has been forget about how many tournaments we had this year forget about what the scores were this year that in itself is so huge for us oh huge humongous it's so I mean, huge for us i mean it, it it's funny i i i know a few wakeboarders and they watched some of the twbc broadcast and they said we don't have that we we yep. need that you know yeah um and i think one of the intuitions that these guys are having is there are some sports that might not be on TV, which might be anachronistic by now, but say the World Surfing League, it's all webcasted, but they have yep. hundreds of thousands of people watching. Yep. It. So the, the medium works. You know, if you want to gain attention on the sport, the medium really works well. 100%. And I don't you know? think we need to be aiming for TV. Mm-hmm. Who watches TV mm-hmm. anymore? I don't know. Like- I, I, put, I put the TWC on my TV. You know? Yeah, like you go on YouTube and you find what you want to watch and you click play. You don't normally go on your TV and see what's on. Yeah, you choose exactly. what you, you go on Netflix, you go on Hulu, you go on YouTube, you go on Instagram. Like you want to see something, you go and see it. You choose it. Correct. Correct. And there's so many be- more people that are going to watch a YouTube video being streamed live than on TV. Because on TV, right. you've got to be sitting down watching it at that time. On YouTube, you can watch it whenever you want. Yeah, which is crazy. Like, I mean, that seems such a, like, ages ago that you had to find the time and watch it, you know? Like, yeah, it's just so recent, you know? And that's the way we're moving. And we are on board with that right now. And, like, that's that's so huge for us. I'm so excited Mm -hmm. for the next few, like, I think the next three years, I see in the next three years being, like, huge change to what we saw two years ago. Already huge change, but... I can't wait. I can't wait. I mean, anything to grow the sport. That's what I'm about. That's why I started this thing two years ago. That's, you know, it's fun, but it's also like, because I think it it can grow the sport and any indication that I have of it, that's, that makes me happy. Exactly. And it's working. Well, thank you. We, we, we can all do our parts, I guess. Yeah. I love what you're Uh, doing. Look, um, random question, which, so slalom world record, tricks world record jump world record men yeah which one will go down first i'm glad you said first <laughs> trick 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 so so 12 7 alexei right 12 5 60 12 5 60 yeah so uh i got the run it exists mm-hmm. it's uh it's a big run 
It's not any room for error. It does exist. Um, I'm sure by the time I get around to doing that run, Pato will take that record because he's pretty close and he's got the run. Aha. Uh-huh. But um, my my initial aim is 12,000 points, jump 230, and run 41. Yeah. And we do that, and then whichever one looks like a record first, we go for, and then we go for the next one. And I think it will have to be trick first because I'll have to quit trick to get the slalom. <laughs> so you know what's you know what's great? I asked you which record would go down first. You started thinking which record is likely that you'll beat first. Yeah. Oh. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. I mean, to me, you know, as I said, I, I didn't know you that much before this chat, but this the answer to this question encapsulates you <laughs> the last two and a half hours we spent together. Yeah. Look, um, I think this is a perfect way to end it, you know, and... I always leave room to, you know, props, thanks. This is your time to, for a bit of gratitude. So yeah, well, of course, one one group of people I'd like to thank a lot is uh, is Radar Skis. I've been skiing with them for about ten years now, and mm. I mean, like any of those tricks you see me do, there's a reason I'm on a radar. They send me a little bit higher than every other ski, and mm. in terms of slalom skis, I mean, the slalom ski we made this year was incredible. And like, I'm really looking forward to our future there with Radar. And of course, I want to thank Matt Reaney, Cole Grant, John Battleday. Like, I wouldn't be anywhere I am without those guys. Um, and finally, my parents, of course, mm-hmm. the birth givers. <laughs> the birth givers. Yeah. And the hand carriers and, um, and yeah, everything they, in between. I would not be here if I if I didn't have them, of course. But I wouldn't be where I am in skiing either. I mean, both of them have been so supportive of me all the way through my life like even mm-hmm. till now my dad being at every world as well like my mum used to drive me to the lake every single day yeah yeah like i wouldn't be where i am without them so those three groups of people i got to thank a lot I owe a lot to those guys sweet sweet and then one final question it's a it's a tough one but take your time do your best yeah um, what does water skiing mean to you it's for me, it's all about having fun. It's creativity. It's about going out there and enjoying it. If I'm not enjoying it, I'm doing it wrong. So for mm-hmm. me, water skiing has always been about doing what I like doing and having fun while doing it. Sweet. I love it. I love it. Joel, look, this was a true pleasure. I've been waiting for a long time to interview you and it's sort of, you know, checked all the boxes i'm i'm so glad it's, we got to do this it's been great chatting to you man it's been great uh thank you for your time thank you for deciding to do this and um keep at it man i can't wait to see when the when the 12k or the 41 or the 230 are broken thank you thanks for having me on man Do 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 do